If you will, this morning, turn with me to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And uh, probably a passage that you're familiar with, even if you're not very familiar with Ecclesiastes, this one, at least the first part of it, I know you've heard before. And so, won't be anything new for you. But the second part really here is the part we're going to actually look at starting with verse 9 and working our way to 13. And uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a little time here this morning in there. Uh, now, Ecclesiastes is one of these books that is really one of my favorite books because, I mean, I don't want to come across as pessimistic, but I like to be pessimistic about stuff because, you know, more often than not, things don't work out. You know, somebody comes to me with a really nice plan and they're like, yeah, this is going to happen and, you know, you're going to make a lot of money doing that. I'm just like, I, I mean, I just have heard that so many times that it just, I, I don't believe that, you know. I mean, it's just, I don't believe it. And so, I, uh, it's, it takes a little bit to convince me of stuff. Um, but, of course, if you can do that, then, you know, you've got a believer. Uh, but but I've got to see the money. I got. I got to actually see the result. Well, Ecclesiastes is kind of like that. If you if you're pessimistic at all, you really should read this book. It's the most pessimistic, negative book in the Bible. It really is. Uh, the, throughout the entire book, you have this constant refrain, which is vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's King James, or you can say it this way, translate it uh, meaningless. Even that term vanity it's just chasing after the wind, he says. So all of life under the sun, everything that everything that the sun is shining down on is meaningless. And I mean, sometimes it seems like that, doesn't it? At least for me, I'm like, why do I have to do this or cut the grass or wash the dishes or prepare food? Or why do we have to do these certain things to keep up with our body? I mean, this is just meaningless. Because the kids are, I mean, I go up there and spend like two hours cleaning up their room, and guess what? The next day, it looks like I didn't do anything. It's meaningless, chasing after the wind. And so, you're going to find some identity here in that book, uh, some common ground, because ultimately what the book uh, points to is beyond the sun. Life and meaning actually happens not just here on this earth, but it's beyond the sun, the S-O-N, to the S-O-N. Let's pick up reading here. You'll remember the first part of chapter 3. You know, a time to be born, a time to die. And that's a very famous, very, very famous, made into movies and everything else. But where I want to focus is verse 9. Notice this. Ecclesiastes 3 and now 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. As we spend a little time in Your Word this morning, Lord, would Your Spirit come and enlighten us? Would Your Spirit come and convict us? Would Your Spirit come and 
call us. We pray and then we ask that You would empower us to respond to You in faith and obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as you know, I'm a Saints fan, uh, which is unfortunate some seasons. This being probably one of them. Uh, Who at nonetheless. But, uh, you know, the Saints, uh, a while back, their, their head coach, uh, if you're not up on football, NFL, you know, he was suspended. And uh, so he wasn't going to be able to be with them the entire season. Just imagine that. You know, that's, that's, like, that's like us being a team and then I'm out. It's just all on, on you guys. I mean, you're, you're there. Well, what he ended up doing was actually, <laughs> he posted a picture of himself in the Superdome. And it was, it was, it was this, he has a certain look when he's like serious, you know, like he's a very serious kind of look. And, uh, and, and it was a picture of him looking very, very seriously. And it just simply said, do your job. <laughs> and uh, I've actually remembered that. I, I remember the image, and, I, and, it, and it's kind of stuck with me. I mean, I've heard it before, but you know, you've often probably, you maybe even been told before, do your job. Just do your job. I mean, if you had just done your job. You know, and, and so what I want to say today is that the Ecclesiastes is sort of telling us throughout the book, because you'll notice in the book, he actually picks up with this idea and runs with it often, and that is the idea of work. Now, you know, I used to think as a child that work was an evil placed upon us, you know, from the fall, right? Like we sinned, and so now God says, all right, now you've got to work, right? Once I actually started studying the Bible for myself as an adult and, you know, young adult, I noticed <clears throat> that even before the fall, God is working. And if we are to be like God, then we work. So God works. And we work. We're in His likeness. We're created in His image. And so it has nothing to do with you sinned, therefore you got to go to work tomorrow. Right? Or you got to clean the dishes. Like, something about work is actually holy. And that kind of stops us in our tracks sometimes because it doesn't really feel like that all the time, does it? Going to work, pushing the pen, typing on the fingers... You know, hammering, whatever it might be for you. You know, it, it doesn't oftentimes feel like a holy experience. Uh, but neither do a lot of things, really. Family doesn't always feel holy. Marriage doesn't always feel holy. Coming to church sometimes doesn't feel holy. You know, it's always funny to... Um, every, every Sunday is a different sort of uh, culture because of who comes and how you come. And so it's always interesting to me. I feel like sometimes... You're really not with me. Other times you might be with me, you know. And I'm just like, the same thing happens when I'm teaching class. I'm like, guys, are y'all all right? Is it me today or is it you today? I don't know. But, you know, it, there's, this, there's this interesting thing that goes on with the dynamic of our relationship. And, you know, here's the thing. God has called us to actually work. And it's a holy thing. And, and just like marriage is a holy thing, it's relational. So too is work. It's relational. And, and it's actually, we are called to go to work with each other. And a lot of times, that's the toughest place sometimes to live out the faith. But that's exactly where He's called us to actually be holy is in those tough places. It's easy to do it when everybody's looking at church and everybody's nice and the setting is right and all this kind of stuff. Where it's hard to do, that's where the test is really going to come. Uh, so, first thing is this. We actually work because God works. And He's called us to a vocation. Now, vocation is a little... You, you might not use that word very often. Vocation is a strong calling 
to a particular kind of work. Okay, so I mean, you know, that could be outdoor work. It could be family work. I mean, trust me, uh, sometimes, well, almost all the time, I do not envy Jessica's job. Four little people needing her all the time. I'm telling you, she stuck me with them quite a few times because she had to go to the grocery store for 30 minutes, and I thought I was going to die. I thought one of them was going to die, you know? And so, point is, is I, 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 that is a real vocation, motherhood. Uh, you know, our jobs are not going to look the same. You know, you look at my job, you're like, man, what's that guy do during the week? I mean, is he just... Like, come on Sunday, and that's what... I mean, you know, typically people just think, oh, preachers just work on Sunday, right? Um, and, you know, come with me some week. I'll show you. I'll show you a little bit of what goes on and, and where the time is spent and where your effort is spent and where the reading is and all the other kind of things. This and you know, I go to your... And you tell me about your job, like some of these engineers tell me about their job. I'm like, man, that's nothing, dude. Making all that money, you're just sitting at a desk. What in the world? I would trade that out any day of the week. But that's not my vacation. It's not my work. And it, I probably have misunderstood, too, what it, exact, it, it is exactly that you do. We think of lawyers and we're like, oh, yeah, you know, they got it made. They just do arguments. No, they mainly do writing and reading, which is a lot of actually what I do. Is a lot of my time is spent reading and writing. If you saw all my notes even for today, you'd be like, well, I think you would be like, oh, wow. You know, or maybe, be like, oh, wow, one or the other. Either way, it'll be, oh, wow. You know, um, but we look at each other's jobs and we're like, I don't, I mean, and it's kind of odd. And, but you know what? We have a, if you have a strong calling to a particular field, to a particular kind of job, to a particular calling even in life, then that's what we call a vocation. And I think that's what the Ecclesiastes writer is actually getting at, is God has actually called us to work. And that should be something that brings joy to our life. It's not just a drudge every single week. If that's your job, then you might want to start praying and say, God, is this my vocation? Now, trust me, I've had jobs like you've had jobs that really weren't our vocation, but we needed to do them. I used to bag groceries. you believe that? A Jitney Jungle. I bet you never even heard of that place, huh? And uh, it lasted about six weeks, you know, and, and, I, and I was out of there. I, it wasn't for me. You know, I was helping old ladies out there to the car and putting their groceries, groceries in there. It was nice. I actually enjoyed it. I had to quit for other reasons. But, um, you know, I've, I've umpired. Uh, you know, I've shredded paper. That was, I made $12 an hour shredding paper, if you can believe that. Just rant, 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 just constantly for, you know, it only lasted two weeks and then paper was gone. But I guess I did, <laughs> did too thorough. Did too thorough of a job, you know, but uh, I'm like, all right, let's get this done. Oh, wow, I guess I'm done now. So, but yeah, we we have jobs sometimes and there are seasons in our life where we may even be in transition. But the reality is, is God has called us to something. He's called us to create things, whether that's buildings or plans or ideas. I mean, one of the things that I create weekly are ideas. And I try to communicate those ideas and create illustrations. I mean, I know it sounds sometimes like it's off the cuff, which some of them are off the cuff. But most of my illustrations are actually crafted just to kind of get a behind-the-scenes uh, behind peek at what you know, my world looks like. I think constantly, and I'm looking constantly at the whole world around me saying, okay, how can that event in my life communicate something to somebody over here? And so we create things. You know what? God creates things. So we create things. And you're called to create something beautiful with your work. 
Again, for, for moms, for instance, we actually have a, a several stay-at-home moms. And uh, wow, the opportunity to create there. That is a power. I mean, you are literally creating disciples of Jesus Christ. What better thing could you create in the world? What better reward do you have? I mean, we all just heard Jesus' warning for those who trip up the little ones. It's quite a stern warning. One that we would not wish on anyone. So we are to be, as the Ecclesiastes writer says, we're actually to be busy with work. Work should busy our life. We should be busy with some type of work. But, but so often we lose sight. You know, it's just a paycheck. It's just a job. It's just this. And I want to say to you today, I don't really think that's what God has called you to do. Just make a paycheck. He wants you to create something at work more than just your work. For me, more than just ideas. I mean, if I only stay in the ideal realm, I mean, Jessica is, is a perfect companion for me because she pulls me out of the clouds. You know, I would love to stay in the clouds, in the ivory tower, you know, thinking these high ideas. And she's like, I need you to take out the garbage. I need you to change a dirty diaper. And some jobs, no matter how you think of them as holy, they stink. Just period. They stink. Just like diapers. I'm never going to think that is a very holy thing. One day, I'm sure when I get to heaven, I'll be able to see clearer. But right now, I just have to put my shirt over my nose and get to get to work. I have to do your job, right? I got to do my job. And that's what, that's what God's called me to do. Uh, as I have these people in my life who I have to take care of their bodies. Because I don't know how to take care of their own body right now. And you know what? At the end of my life, somebody's going to take care of my body. And if you've never seen someone dying, you really should. It's a powerful experience to watch someone pass away. It's a sad thing, but it's a powerful thing. We're watching it now with Nana. And as she cannot any longer control her body, other people are again having to come in, just as they did at the beginning of her life, now at the end of her life. And it happens for us all. Peter even says, or Jesus says of Peter, when you get old, people will take you where you don't want to go. You will no longer be in control. And it's a sobering thing. But we're to be busy with our work because at the end of life, the story is already written. At the end of life, there's no time at that point to then recreate the story. Recreate the experience. Just as Joni shared a little moment ago, uh, and this is a different way of phrasing it, you know, people don't really care what you know until they know that you care. And I like the knowing part, but the caring part is where I have trouble. Thankfully, that's where Jessica comes in and really softens my life. Um, But we must actually love those at work. And that's our job. Your work, every one of you guys that go to different... It doesn't matter what kind of work situation. You are called to love others. Work with others. That's your vocation above even the actual job that you have to do. Your witness means something. And so our work can be beautiful. Our work can be satisfying. Our work can be joy-filled. It doesn't matter what kind of job you're doing. If you can see the larger picture of it, then you, you can 
Enter into the joy that He has for you because He's called you and you know you're fulfilling something in the world, creating something in the world with your own hands, with your own body. You're joining Him in what He does all the time. It's a a beautiful, beautiful concept that sometimes it's hard for us to pull down into our actual work situation. But that's where you come in, see? I can point you in a direction. You've got to walk it out tomorrow, wherever that may be. In whatever kind of bad situation you're going back into at work, you've got you to gotta figure out. And that's, that's one thing we've actually been talking about at Small Group in our, this past week. We talked about how do you actually live the faith out at work? How do you do that? And that's something that you and God and your small group and others, you've got to get in there and, and huddle up and figure that out. I can't tell you because I don't know your job situation. I have no idea what you engineer people do at your job. It's classified. So how am I supposed to know? I can't even get in the place. I have to go meet with you somewhere else. So I can bring you to my work, but uh, I don't even have a location. So I have to go somewhere else normally too. But So it looks different when we go across. Each of us could tell stories of, of where we're at, what we do. It all can be beautiful. It all can be a vocation. And God is calling you to see it, to gather it up into what is holy, what is heavenly. So, you know... Here, here's an illustration that, uh, that I saw at the beach, right? So we, we took a trip to the, one of the trips to the beach that we took. We actually, I'm sitting there watching my kids, and I mean, they're, they're, they're digging a hole, all right? So we just like to, we like to dig a hole when we go to the beach. I, I don't really know why, we just like to dig a big hole. And so we like to put people in that hole and then bury those people, you know, and do that kind of thing. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm on vacation. What in the world am I? Because I got out there with them. You know, I'm sitting here laboring. I mean, I like this word here, toiling the ground, literally. I'm, I'm toiling at work here, you know, digging. And I'm like, it's been two hours I've been digging. Can you believe that? I would never at my house just sit outside and dig for two hours. But somehow, we all are seeing this as fun. And I thought to myself, now how in the world, because this is literal work. Like, it is actually, my arms were sore the next day. You understand what I'm saying? It was actually work. And yet, we're having fun. How is that possible? How can we actually make our work fun? And I thought about my kids, you know, like, what in the world... They never want to work. They don't ever want to do anything uh, as far as work is concerned. And my dad used to always say, concerning me and my brother, he used to always talk about how we would love to do, we, we basically do work until we found out it was work. And then we'd stop. And that's sort of how we are, isn't it? We, I mean, some of you guys spend so much time researching your hobbies. Spend so much money on your hobbies. I mean, you know everything about that hobby. You work so hard. You stay up late. You wake up early. You give your time, resources, money. And it's a hobby. Like it's a... I don't even want to list one for fear of embarrassing someone. But it's, a, it's, it's something that in the grand scheme of things, we're sitting here scratching our head. I mean, if I told you mine where I spent some of my time, you'd probably laugh at me. Video games. I like video games. Certain ones. And, uh, and, and that's where I spend some of my time, as a hobby. And I love it. You probably hate it. You probably think it's dumb. It's a waste of time. But I think your hobby's dumb. Going out there trying to chase a little white ball, spending all kind of money. That sounds ridiculous to me. But it, hey, look, I understand. You guys love it. And hobbies are like that. But you, you ever notice how the line between work and hobby? Like, 
if I went and did your hobby, it'd be work to me. I'd be like, man, I'm done with this. Actually, I have done that before. And I was like, yep, not doing that again. It's a waste of time and money. Um, but, but it's not for me. It's not for you. Our hobby, our work, it's hard to tell them. Why is it play on one end and work on the other? See, I, I think we can actually begin to merge those things if we really saw what was going on. If we, if we were really able to capture what's actually happening when we go to work and spend time with others and actually give ourselves to certain projects, using our resources, grouping up teams of people, the way we treat each other, being a witness. If we could really see it, I think we would actually begin at least to maybe enjoy some of our work, God forbid. Maybe enjoy some of it. Now I know, look, everybody's got rough days, okay? Even in, even in play and hobbies, there's rough days, right? But I'm talking about in general, we can have a sense of fulfillment in going to work tomorrow. I think that's powerful. I think we can have a sense of calling tomorrow as we wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to be the best employee or boss or witness of Christ I can be at work tomorrow as I use my hands. I think that's something powerful. What I create tomorrow is actually, here's the way Paul says it in the New Testament, do it as unto the Lord. So go to work as if God is your boss. Now just think about that real quick. That makes things a little different. Cut an edge. Oh, well, you know, maybe nobody will see that. Well, who's your boss again? Oh, yeah, he sees everything. You'll get a memo later. Or an email, whatever you get at work. I don't know what you get. So you say, okay, all right, you got me convinced. Like, we should, we should make our work more like play. Because, look, I love to play. You know, I, I work hard, but I play hard, too. And I, a lot of you guys do with your, and, and ladies, too, with your, with your hobbies. Uh, whatever that might be. Or whatever it is, entertainment-wise, that you enjoy. And uh, you say, well, okay, you got me convinced we should do that. And I should have a calling. And voca- How do we actually do that? What are the steps that I need to take in order to begin to to allow my work to be caught up into the larger play of God, the work of God even in the world. Um, And the first thing is just to show up. (laughs) Just something real simple. Just show up. Uh, Woody Allen actually famously said, 80% of life is just showing up. Just showing up. Just show up to work tomorrow. Don't not come in. If, if you want to be a good parent, just show up. Like, that's, that's some of the best parenting advice you can have. It just, just show up. Like, you're not going to be an expert. I'm not an expert. By the way, you do understand, like, with my job, the stuff that I preach to you has first been preached to me by the Holy Spirit. It hits me first. I had to repent already. So, you know, don't ever think like, oh, well, he's got it together and I don't. No, no, I'm, I'm right in the same boat, okay? Um... No, it's showing up. That's how you first begin to allow your vocation, your calling, your work tomorrow, even today, to be caught up in heavenly things is just show up and be faithful. You know, one of my professors at a seminary, Dr. Friedemann, Matt Friedemann, he, uh, he had prison, and he's the one who actually got me initially started in prison ministry, by the way, and, uh, and first pointed out 
you know, Matthew 28, where, you know, if you don't do these things, then here's the result of it, and it's not good. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that is true, and it's right there said by Jesus, so I better get to doing it. Anyway, one of the ministries he had was actually, they would go to the uh, strip club in Jackson. Now, they wouldn't go inside, but what they did was just stand outside. They didn't have big signs or anything like that. They just stood there. You know what the result of that was? Just simply standing there, decent seminary-aged people with a professor standing out there with, with sometimes even women and children, decency showed up. Decent people showed up. So guess what? When you were you know, thinking about going somewhere you shouldn't have gone and you see all these decent people out there that are going to watch you come in to that establishment, they said that people would pull in and turn right back around and leave. They wouldn't even come in. Why? Because they showed up. Decency showed up. That's what happens to your conversations if people actually know you're not going to laugh at those bad or racist or dirty or whatever it is kind of jokes. If people have a deep respect for you, then they say, you know what, when decency shows up, we're going to keep our mouth shut. But if you just oblige, then what is the result of that? No witness. Now, look, I know that hits us all. It hits us all. But we are called, are we not, to be salt and light? This is what Jesus actually commissioned us with. Do your job. Show up. Show up as a Christian tomorrow at work. You say, well, I, yeah, but I kind of now I've already got this reputation. You know what? The good thing about God is He can change, excuse me, he can change things. Isn't that crazy? He likes to actually transform things. He's actually in the business of transforming people. And you know what people, you say, well, yeah, but I'll be embarrassed if all of a sudden like I say, well, let's not do that anymore, even though I have done it in the past. People are going to make fun of me. Okay. Is that anything new? People are going to make fun of you anyway you look at it. They just are. I mean, you do realize, like, when you leave a conversation, people do talk about you after that, right? I don't know if you know that or not, but, I mean, people actually do that. We do it, you do it, we all do it. Ah, yeah, I don't know about it, whatever it might be, okay? We all do that. So just get over people talking about you. The one that we should be concerned with talking about us is God Himself, isn't it? Not what other people say. So who cares what they say? You know what? You're on the right track now. You're better than what you've been in the past. You're called up to a higher calling. You're called to be salt and light. And you can actually be that at your workplace. So show up. Do your job. (laughs) The second thing is this. Be intentional. You know... A lot of people, they would obey if they just sort of thought about it or it was just brought to their attention. We find this a lot here in this area. People actually are not anti-Jesus or anti-church, but they just aren't really, really intentional about anything. They just sort of lollygagging through life, just sort of skipping through life, and they have no intentions of really doing anything, but they're not being intentional about anything. And we have a whole culture, really, that's apathetic. They just, ah. If you notice on Facebook and social media, one of the constant things I see is bored. I'm bored. I don't know the last time I said that I was bored. I mean, you can ask Jessica. I don't really, I mean, I don't have time to be bored. Been many people in my house, you know, you don't really have time to be bored. There's always something to do. Um, But how can we be bored when we have all this stuff at our fingertips today? 
And yet we feel bored. We feel like, ah, it's just, I'm just kind of drudging through life. It's because, again, we're not seeing the overall picture. We're not called to be bored. Bored is a sin. Being bored gets you in trouble. Being bored leads to all sorts of bad things in your life. Be about the king's business. You know, if you're sitting in a waiting room and it's boring to wait on a doctor. Uh, it really is. And, uh, but you know what I do? I, I mean, I, I start doing work in my head. I mean, I, don't, I mean, you are probably different than I am, but like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, okay, well, you know, maybe a theological question. I'm thinking, you know, how do I better communicate theodicy? You know, the, the idea of God and justice. Or, you know what, start praying for somebody. How about that? Like, what if all of a sudden you wait in an airport or whatever and you just start saying, you know what, I'm going to go through my small group list to start praying for people. Like, what do we do in our heads? Are we bored? If so, get to praying. Paul says, start praying and don't stop. Real practical stuff today. Because Ecclesiastes is real practical about work. We're called to others. Third thing is this. Not only show up and be intentional about your work, be intentional about being a disciple, be intentional about loving other people, but share. Third thing is share. You want your work to be caught up into heavenly things? Then just share everything you have. Including your gifts, including your money, including your time for people. Um... You know, I used to say something really dumb when I was uh, when I was in college. I used to say, you know, the world would be a better place if there weren't any people. That's just really the dumbest thing you can say. Now, people cause a lot of problems, don't they? But you know what? Jesus came to earth. He became one of us because we are the problem. And the solution to our selfish problem is actually others. That's actually the solution is others. A focus on... A, I heard a study this past week, you probably heard the same thing, that more people are killed by selfies than by sharks each year. Selfies. I, I, and I actually, you know, I actually looked that up to make sure that was legitimate. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know if it was... Because again, I'm a pessimist, right? I, I, don't, I don't trust everything I see. When somebody tells me something, the first thing I'm going to ask is, where'd you get that? Who told you that? Okay, I don't believe that. Um, if I don't know them, if I don't know the source, you know. And, and so I, I actually looked it up, and, and seriously, people die trying to take these selfies, you know, getting run, run over by a train or falling from a bridge. Like, they literally, they really, I mean, it's sad, but they, more people die from that than, like, shark attacks, and, you know, worldwide. All right? And I got to thinking, and the Lord said, you know what? Selfies kill. Now, not just these kind of selfies, but a self-focus in your life, in my life, kills. Really does. More people die from selfies, which is being selfish, than the gross sins that we often think about. You know, typically when we think about bad sins, we're talking about adultery, you know, drunkenness, all these kind of things. You know, going and murdering somebody. Selfishness will send you straight to hell faster than any of the others. Just a simple focus on the self. We're not meant to look inward. If we were, we would have an eyeball that looked inward. We don't. Um, I was running Saturday morning with a neighbor of mine and uh, 
you know, the, the weather was really getting to me. It was kind of misty and stuff. And so, you know, if you're a runner, you know you sometimes have to clear the nose. I'm not going to show you how to do that now, but you have to clear the nose. And I got done with that run. You know, we even met some guy on the way, you know, like a new new guy um, in our neighborhood or whatever that was running, too, with his dog. And we stopped talked to him for a sec. Well, I got home, looked in the mirror, and you don't even want to know what was on my face. It was awful. I was like... Bro, you gotta let my, you gotta let her brother know, man. Come on, you know, like I can't see me, right? I, you can see me, I can't see me, and that's actually biologically how God created us. You hear what I'm saying? We're not meant to look inward. We're not look meant to live for ourselves, but instead for others. And until we start living that way, your work is never going to get caught up in heavenly things. You can always just see it as just going to work, making a paycheck, having a deal with people. It can be more than that. You can be more than that if there's a focus on others. God Himself focuses on others. He's not selfish. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in a relationship of love. It's a beautiful thing. Share. You learned it in kindergarten and yet it's still tough to do, isn't it? Share. Just share at work. Instead of just always pushing to, for you to get the promotion, what if you help somebody else? Like, I'm just asking, what if, what if you did that? What if you went to work thinking about helping others? How would that work out? I think God would bless that. I actually know people who have been blessed by that. I know He can bless you by that. Last thing is this, and we're done. Uh... Work and play. you got to rest. Even God rested. So you say, alright, I got you, man. I'm hearing you loud and clear, big guy. Work, work, work. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're called to work. But you know the greatest work you're called to? If you're married, it's your spouse. That's the greatest work you have. Your spouse. Now... It's also the hardest work you have. You say, oh yeah, well, yeah, she really is she really not going to change. Or he's not really going to change. You know what? You're already looking at it wrongly. What if you saw yourself as a minister to your spouse? Not as someone who's telling them what to do or pointing out their wrong behavior. Most people already know their wrong behavior. Now, I know sometimes we need to be reminded of it. Trust me. But most people already know their wrong behavior. What if our attitude was this? And that is, you're better than that. I've learned that that actually is a better approach than just saying, hey, you know, you got this place in your life. But instead coming at it from a positive and saying, you know what? I know you can be more than that. Now, you don't have to just come out and say that. But live as if that's the reality. I know marriage can be tough. It is tough. It's the toughest thing you ever do. And yet that's the work we're called to most. If you fail there, then that's where it's the largest failure. The second calling is to your children, if you have them. And if you're not married, to your family. Paul says this, actually. If you're not married, then you should be married to the church. That's actually what Paul says. You should be married to the church then. Just stay single and, and you're married to the church. So a lot of people I know that 
live the single life are actually not married to the church at all. Um, that's the last thing on their mind. So, but if you're, secondly, for most of us, it's going to be family, it's going to be kids, it's going to be our children. That's our work. If, if, we, if we get all kind of awards from work and bonuses and paychecks and whatever else, but yet our kids grow up not knowing their dad or mom, what is that? God has called you to those children. Now look, we can all wish our life away. Say, I wish my kid acted like this. Or I wish my wife was like that. Or I wish my husband was like... Don't wish your life away. Live in reality. God has given you that person. And He's going to judge you upon what you do with that person. With those people. With those gifts. With those abilities that you have that I don't have. He's going to judge you that way. And He's going to judge me that way. I'm going, to, I'm going to literally stand before Jesus one day and answer for what He's given to me. And so are you. So, in conclusion, how can we make our work like play? By seeing it caught up in heavenly things. By allowing Jesus to go to work with us. By lifting even our work situations up to God. Just showing up, being intentional, sharing, and working hard for the kingdom. Working hard for the things that actually matter in the end. Northrop Grumman, they'll forget you. Boeing, they'll forget you. Whatever job you have, they'll forget you. You might have a plaque somewhere. But you know what? Those children... Your spouse, unforgettable. God help us all to be obedient and do our job. Amen.